we are ready to go. Hey, now oh, we're cooking with gas. This is, this is happening. This is cooking with gas. <laughs> cooking in a f- safe in a fossil a fossil fuel f- fueled economy. Cooking s'mores. I wish we were cooking s'mores on the campfire in 1955. Five. Is it five? I think it's five. It's 85, and then it goes to 50 something. That's um. I know that's the. I know that's the rules of uh, Black to the Future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is there a reference to that? Uh, when was the movie made? Was it made it's in 86? 86. The movie was 86. Yeah. But I... Um, um, fuck, how, how, how are we jumping ahead so far? My name's Morgan Roberts. Welcome to Down Down <laughs> you Prices. Just wanted to leave. Prices are down. You didn't want to do anything smooth. You just wanted to... Well, <laughs> it's all about no, that genuine open. Now I've said... Now I've not even said the, the parody name of our podcast. I've just said the thing that it's referencing. Welcome to Down Down Critics Are Down. My name is Morgan Roberts. And my name is Dominic... Fitzgerald, and he's run off mic immediately, and he's out of there, Chant. Now that's it. That's that's it. That's all you're getting, mate. That's this is premium content. You only get two seconds, and then we're out. Um, you, you always say this content's premium, but sometimes I don't. I feel we like we're, spent- our content is at worth of the of the bargain bin. <laughs> we're at that five dollar mark. We've had three or four failed attempts this week to try no, and record this episode. I, I think it's probably five or six. If I'm being real, <laughs> if I'm being Just real, keep going. Is it, is it 1955 or 1985 failed attempts? What year is it? Crazy. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, look, um, this has been an interesting time for this show. This show has has existed across life-changing events. We started recording. We, we actually <laughs> recorded the first two episodes of this show back in June um, because I knew that I wanted to get a couple in the can before we sort of put it out there. Oh, um, what a, what a, what a molding winter it was. Really? Because, yeah, because we had our second child in July. So Hang on, when you say we, when you say we. We did. No, Dom and I did. Morgan Dom and I did. We are Dom and I had our second child. Our first child <laughs> Our first child didn't affect the first two episodes of the podcast no. at all, but the second one the, had a major impact on the production schedule. Yeah, our first child is seven. He's off at the wars now. <laughs> He'll be back. We said... We we now he's now the one that we send to do the interviews with David Stratton. We can't be bothered anymore. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, he says we 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 try to write him if the weather permits, but I I don't know where this is going. <laughs> we don't. Have he's a, the one that goes to Khan. <laughs> we don't have a child, guys. <laughs> Our first child, as in me and my wife. Yeah, my wife and I. Confirmed. First child. Second um, note. And so we thought, yeah. So we thought we'd uh, we'd we'd sort of sort that out, and um, yeah, life's been pretty hectic. Big, but big, um, big hectic here life. we are, big hectic back life for you. The saddle. It was a was a big hectic time for you. You, you it was a hectic time. Yeah, me. I was probably just jerking it to anime, <laughs> playing um, playing Dark Souls, watching um, Lahane, as most douchebag film students do. So yeah, that was there. That was the last four months. But in terms of in terms of the viewers, well, you the guys, viewers, well, the I listeners, mean, you guys will be. You guys don't know anything's happened apart from the fact that we've told you. It was seem. It was seamless. We could have just left it be for for. A, it's only been a week. They came out last week. Mm, mm. Like time works differently when you go through the. Um, the looking glass, the the compressed the, the, window, the, the line, the witch in the wardrobe of the podcast world. Mm. When you go through that wardrobe, time works differently. Yeah. You can only look at it with rose tinted glasses. What was Hell. a week in in podcast time was four months of man. Are we going to record that stand by me up today? Is today <laughs> the day? No, this is we've we've waited so long that we actually have to do a preamble um, while you were gone. Mm. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the lab. <laughs> I tell you what, the back and forth messages of, are we recording today? I'm going to watch it tonight. Do we record I'm tomorrow? I'm going to watch it tonight. They were, getting, I mean, it was, they were getting tense. It was like, fuck, are we fine? Is t- uh, okay, can we? I can do tomorrow. Can you do tomorrow? <laughs> no. It was almost wait, enough for its own podcast. My episode, internet's like out. Just that. It's, it's, Thanks, Malk. Thank you, Malcolm. I t- it was a whole... It was farcical. It really was, especially these last three days. But we're here now. We recorded. And nothing the, else can go wrong, and we're recording. In a specific timeline, we released those podcast episodes. We were like, all right, let's do it. Get Ep3 in the can. Uh, we sat down on the Wednesday night to watch Stand By Me. And then every day it was just, can you do it? No. 
Can I do it? No. Can you do it? No. Can I do it? No. And here we are. Monday, 10 a.m. It's fucking real, man. The dream team. It feels like it feels like we've gone on our own, you know, adventure into the bush together, the amount that we've struggled through this time. It definitely feels like the edgy third date that that will either make or break the relationship. Yeah. So hundred percent. I ain't saying I ain't promising anything um, after this episode, but So we watched go? we watched Stand By Me. Mm. Um it was my turn this week to pick the film. Mm-hmm. So when I went down four months ago and f- I found this and it's been sitting on my desk, this DVD has been sitting on my desk mm-hmm. for the past four or five months, staring at me to watch it going, watch me, you cuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> Listen, the DVD just spoke to you. Listen, champ, put down the daughter, put away the wife, forget about your son, come watch me. Come stand by me. Come stand. The DVD. The, you see what I did there? It was, it was a good segue. Uh, I don't know if it was, but we'll... It was, no, no, just accept my praise, Doc. Just roll accept. with it. We'll just roll with it. Just roll with it. Um, so I got the DVD and as as we usually do, you then were, went to look uh, to find it on a streaming service or something to All watch right. it. So Morgan Roberts, the adult, with his life together... Had the DVD from the Coles. I'm bucket. not sure. I'm not sure. I, I'm, uh, hang on. Can we just pause? Yeah. Just freeze frame. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm the guy sitting here who paid $5 to watch a film from Coles who's recording a podcast about it. I'm not sure I've got my life together. Well, just in if, this scenario of just roll with it. <laughs> roll with me here for a bit. In this scenario, you will be the one more put together. So, like, so we knew for months. All right. Stand by me the next time. Uh, not Four thinking months. about it for a long time. I go, all right, it's time to watch it for the record. Uh, I'm sure it's on Netflix. I'm sure I've seen uh, Corey Feldman's smug-looking face on um, on Netflix. Go through, it's not there. Big shock. Go to Stan. I don't even know if it was on Stan because in the, in the time since the last podcast, I do not have a Stan membership anymore. I thought, Oof. all right, there goes that option. Look, Go through, yeah, um, I have a I have a daughter. You let your stand membership expire. Look, we've all got stuff going on. Twin Peaks stopped coming out last year. That's not. <laughs> I don't remember what I got stand for I, last time. I bought Stan so I could watch Twin Peaks. Still haven't watched Twin Peaks. Dude, Twin Peaks is great. They sent me the. They sent me the, every now and then. They'll just send me an email of like, "Hey, you want three months of this for free if you come back?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And I'll pay, I'll have the three free weeks. I'll pay for another three. And they'll be like, you know what? I think it's time we end this again. Mm. Very cordial. Mm. Um, but you alas, check Stan. I didn't check Stan. For all we know, it might be on Stan. And that would have. <laughs> Imagine know. if it was on Stan after I'm all sure that. it might be for all I know. It probably is. I check SBS on demand. Good the oft forgotten option for some of these films. The, Good choice. Just this, just the, just a terrific streaming service. If you, uh, if you're not in the know, I checked it. Not there, as as you, as of course it wasn't. Not there. I went to Amazon Prime Video, <laughs> a streaming service that probably no one has, unless you really well no. It's it's it comes with Prime, so if you really want a book sent to your house real fast, that's terrific. And then you're like, oh, hang on, there's movies on here, lol. And so I and checked. a bunch of exclusive content. Jack, Jack, John, John, Jack Krasinski, John, John Krasinski. Krasinski, but he's playing Jack Ryan. That's where I get yeah. confused. Um, it had that um basketball movie that I found out was paid for by Pepsi. Did you know this? <laughs> no, what it's like um, this? it's called Uncle Drew, and it's like got. Lil Ray Howard, and he like plays a basketball coach, <laughs> and it's based off a series of ads that, um, I, oh geez, I'm gonna stuff this up. I want to say Kevin Durant, the popular. No, I am gonna Google this. I don't want to. I don't want to fuck this. I don't fuck this up at all. Uh, edit point. Yeah, I was gonna say Kevin Durant. Oh, we finished the edit point. Edit point. Uh, Kyrie Irving. <laughs> Kyrie Irving <laughs> plays an Sorry. old retired street basketballer <laughs> called Uncle Drew. And apparently 
it used to be a Pepsi ad. <laughs> like, that was just a series of ads they used to do with this character. And then they were like, let's make a movie. And they did. So that's on Sam. No, it's on Amazon Prime Video. That's it's on Amazon when Prime. You, when you buy your... When you, when you really want to buy that copy of Maddie Matheson's cookbook and you want it express delivered to your house, <laughs> you, can, you can wait for that delivery and watch Uncle Drew. So what did you have to do to watch this I film thought to myself that you had four months notice I to watch? I thought to myself, all right, stand by me. Go to iTunes, the last bastion, really. It's the last port of call where you're like, okay, I have to spend money on, on, on seeing this movie, which is fine, you know, because you should always... Buy content. I'm raising my eyes very heavily right now. You should always buy content. Buy content. And I saw it was like, all right, am I gonna rewatch Stand by Me? It was like it was like twelve dollars to buy it, and I was like, I don't know, I will when I can just spend six dollars and rent it on iTunes. I did that, and I watched the movie. And, you know, we'll talk about that movie later. Spoilers, we both really like it. And so I went to bed feeling all good about myself. I wake up the next Mission week. accomplished. Yeah. Mission accomplished. Yeah. As far as he we've knows. Set out, we've set out to watch it. Well, no, mission accomplished. Full stop. We set out to watch the movie and we did. But I walked past my Blu-ray shelf. And I may have forgot to drive this point home in, our, in, in the earlier con- conversation. I was so certain in my head that I did not own a copy of Stand By Me on DVD or Blu-ray or even VHS. I just did not own it. And to be fair, Dom, Mm. that sentence from a certain point of view, Alec Guinness, from a certain point of view, Mm. is true. You You do not own a copy of Stand By Me. You own two. You've robbed me of my punchline. Edit point. I see two, no, I see two motherfucking copies of Stand By Me on Blu-ray sitting on my shelf. Two copies. Not only was I so certain of the fact that I did not own this movie, but I, 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 it did not cross my mind at any point. Let me just double check the shelf. Let me just double check the shelf. So I found two copies of Stand By Me on Blu-ray after I'd spent $6.99 renting it. R.I.P. Hey guys, it's Morgs here. If you want to listen to the rest of that story, listen all the way to the end of the episode and there's some details about how you could win something as well. So listen all the way to the end. Otherwise, now it's our actual review of Stand By Me. So we watched Stand By Me. Uh, I'm going to put a thing at the beginning of the episode. Be like, if you want to hear a fuck, if you want to hear two mates talk about a fucked funny story for 20 minutes, awesome. Yeah. Otherwise, skip, skip to this. skip to this I'm time this. code <laughs> where we start the review of the actual film that we watched. Cue the trailer. When the night. I watched the trailer for um. So I watched the trailer for this um at some point in between seeing it and the record. It's mm. such a bad trailer. Like it's just yeah. the whole movie. I haven't seen it. it it's just the whole movie. Oh, like, oh just like the major beats. Yeah, like it starts. Yeah. Yeah. All right, you want to see a dead body? Cool. When the night. Uh, cut to them like walking along the track, um, talking about uh, Superman beating up Bugs Bunny. It's falling. Tits. And the land is dark. Um, then cut to like Keith Sutherland and the gang. And they're not going to find that body gonna... at all. No, wait. Cut to the oh, wait. song, then cut to the train sequence. <laughs> and to be fair, it's not the sequence in its entirety, but it is a Gordy. The key moments. Gordy and um, Vern running on the, on the tracks. It's getting close. Everyone's shouting, and then they dive off the thing. Darling, darling, stand. Cut to um. All this is like being interjected with like, uh, Columbia Pictures presents a Rob Reiner film, um, and then it cuts to like uh, them all talking about their problems during the campfire, but specifically the scene with a uh, Phoenix River Phoenix. 
more more stand by me music. Then it cuts to <laughs> Then again, it cuts to all of them standing by the body arguing about who's going to take it. And then cuts back to Vern talking about how he wants to eat cherry pest for the rest of his life. And then wow. stand by me in cinemas soon. In cinemas soon, not that you need to go see it. Oh no, you just no, saw but it. oh, but it got no. I forgot then because it's still because no. Then it also shows them getting back to the town and talking about how they can do anything if they put their mind to it. The last, the last bit spoilers, of spoilers. Spoilers. It's like thanks guys for showing us like the movie. Yeah. So anyway, so the recurring theme from the last episode, mm. <laughs> Rob Rayner. So he was the screenwriter on. Was he the screenwriter for Flubber? No, that was John Hughes. What did he do? It was John Hughes. Rob Reiner is a director of He's a director. Some, classic, some classic films. He's also an actor. So he he directed um, uh, A Few Good Men. Um, we talked about him in the first episode. I feel like I may have mentioned Briefly. Rob Reiner somewhere. I'm just saying that was the, that was the, the tenuous link. I thought you'd know. Um, no, the yeah. tenuous link when you... Uh, Famously, um, I thought you meant the fact that Will Wheaton is in both Flubber and Stand By Me. Maybe, but you also said something about Royal Rayner. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Stop, stop putting holes William in Wheaton. my theories. Make it just, just, just make it Will Wheaton quick. Shut up, Wesley. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> I just kept thinking that the whole time. Yeah, well, he shut up, Wait, Wesley. During this. Can I come on the bridge? Shut up. That's true. Was he, was he, was he, were you thinking about that during this? Yeah, I was thinking about that during this. I was thinking, I was thinking about it a lot more during Flubber. Yeah, I was thinking about it more, more during Flubber. Um, I kept, I kept having to remind myself, oh shit, that's the hack from the Big Bang Theory. Um, 1985. 1980s. Guys, reminiscing. I, no, no, but isn't it set? It's set in 85. I don't know. I don't remember what year, um. Rick Dreyfus is is talking to everybody, mm. and he sees the two boys yep. riding past on their bicycles. Cause that scene, flashback. that's the first Look. scene in the film, and I was like, "What's happening?" Because <laughs> as far as I know, <laughs> Rick Dreyfus is sitting in a car, just just looking out. You no, know, he sees the newspaper that says that the the older version of the River Phoenix character has died, and that's a feels bad man. But then he just sees some kids go past. He's like, "Man." I remember when I was a kid, a, a loser, <laughs> and they all, no, they, is it fair to call them all losers? I think if, if you know, like if you think about the, the group that you were hanging out with when you were that age and you go, this was like my life. Yeah. 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 You're a loser. But we were all losers. Which, 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 which member of the gang do you relate the most to? Um, pro- uh, I don't know, man. Like little bits, little bits of all of them, I think. Yeah. I think, honestly, I think you want to be anyone but Vern. I'm, and honestly, we are all Vern. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I'm big Vern, big Vern guy right now. It's true. Vern, there's something about Vern, right? I want to talk about the fact that I, I couldn't pin who played him at first. Like I saw the name Jerry O'Connell. And I was like, wait, is that the guy from NCIS LA? Is that that guy who played Robin? Really? Well, it's just, no, he's, really? he's an, what is his name? It's an O something. I don't know enough about any of this. So. Uh, it's Chris O'Donnell is, is the guy who played Chris O'Donnell. Robin. <laughs> Jerry O'Connell played Vern. And so I go to IMDb and holy fuck, did he have the most tremendous glow up of all time. Like he is so <laughs> handsome. Just like just a few years after Stand by Me, he's like so handsome. I was like distracted seeing this like buzz cut, big cheeked kid talking about cherry pears. Um, it reminds me of that. That that there's that photo of now I've forgotten the I've forgotten one of these actors. I've forgotten two mm. of these actors' names, but um. It's that photo of Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert yes. Grint, Grint, um, the guy who plays Malfoy and the guy who plays Neville yes. Longbottom at a party. And it's this like, it went, when it came out on the internet, it was, it went viral and it was just yeah. that meme of the moment when the guy yeah. who plays Neville oh, grows oh, up dude, to be the hot He one. had a glow up. Yeah. 
Hundreds. He glowed the fuck up. That was crazy. <laughs> I don't think he's as... I mean, I can see he is handsome, but it's like... Did you see? I was... <laughs> this is almost worse than the Flubber review because we've not really discussed the film. But have you seen... Um, I was watching a film the other day, The Lost City of Z with Charlie Hunnam. And at one point, this really pompous English character with a mustache and like really high-pitched voice starts yelling, this like slim dude. And I was like, man, he sounds and looks familiar. And I looked it up on IMDb, and it's the kid who played Dudley in Harry Potter. No. He has glowed the fuck up. Maybe more so than Neville, if you in IMO. Wow. Yeah, okay. We should check Are it you, out. Post, post your feels, feels in the comments. Yeah. We want to know those, those feels on, on, on childhood stars glowing yeah. up. Only the dudes, though, please. Exclusively. Yeah, it's too no, weird. No. We we do not we don't want to yeah it's too yeah, weird I don't yeah hey listen chat <laughs> listen guys um no but anyway so stand by me we should probably get to some actual film criticism here <laughs> um look for a film that's you know as old as mm. me in fact it's two years mm. older than I am uh holds up yeah I mean I I'd never 100%. seen it before. Um, I have obvious. Neither at all. I, th- I totally thought you'd nope. seen it before. Nope. So you you mean to tell me that not only you do you own two copies of it on Blu-ray, but you also hadn't seen it before? <laughs> I bought a lot of Blu-rays during 2016. It was it was a wild period. What a time to what be alive! Time. No, but so I hadn't seen it before that night, and I'd sort of knew that it was something that was gonna hold up because everybody's still talking about it. Like, oh, man, that's terrific. And especially because like there's like a lot of new stuff, like the, you know, your Stranger Things and your, your, your Riverdales yeah, to an extent, totally. or your sort of like stuff that the kids are, that like the young youth is into now. You can really sort of see where they, how they've reflected on like a lot of films of this era that are very reflective of a time gone past themselves. Like you see these, I know there's a video essay that talks about this, but you can sort of see like the loops of nostalgia. Like the eighties is always really nostalgic for the fifties and we're now sort of really nostalgic for the eighties. And there's just these weird loops of when we get into really nostalgic sort of pieces of reflection. And so I knew that this would sort of not be like, what doesn't hold up? Like just what's, what's, what's a film that does not hold up in any way, shape or form. Flubber. I don't think Flubber <laughs> ever held up to begin with, but no, no, because no, I think to 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 hold up, it needs to be good in it at some. This makes sense. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Yeah, um, I guess you're yeah, right. I, I mean, can't think of anything that's like not sort of like what's something that is just sort of so outdated. Hmm. Uh, I digress. The point is that. I feel I I feel I felt watching this film a similar way to I feel like I I could see if someone watched this when it came out and like loved it and I understand that it's you know it's uh it's one of those films that people still yeah. talk about from someone who only watched it yeah. once and only watched it once you know in 2018 yeah. um it strikes me that this is is this what it feels like for someone who's never seen Star Wars before going to watch A New Hope because fuck that film is slow. <laughs> it's really not a great like that first forty minutes is like, oh, come to the desert, oh, oh, I want I, I want to be a real that's, boy, and that, that's it. It's like that's it for forty minutes. Are you, are you talking about Star Wars being slow? <laughs> Star I've, Wars, I've, yes, the first I've like had A New to Hope. Show- uh, my two cousins who were little boys, I think they were nine and 11 at the time. Um, mm. Yeah, they were not, they were not Star Wars. Like, here's the thing. Every kid these days, like, knows what Star Wars is. But that's just because mm. it's so integrated into brand. I sat oh. them down to watch Star Wars and they were like, they liked it, but they were just like, can we get to the good shit now, please? And I'm like, yeah, totally. This- we, we want, we want to get to. Can we get to the, the bit with General well, Grievous? Well, no. See, they didn't. They were only aware of the 
That well, they, yeah, they were and like the new stuff or whatever. But even then, it was less, more the OT. Oh, that's Darth Vader. He looks cool. Can he do cool things, please? And I'm like, well, it no, kind of he does is, not but too much also, in the first film. yeah, I guess. You know, they you know they had fun watching all of the like the coolest thing that Vader does in the is in the first five minutes of that film where he's strangling Captain Antilles and then he. Well, chucks I don't know away. the whole. That's it. Like that's the well, coolest. I don't know thing. the whole. All of the the sequences in the starships are pretty cool. Like when he's about to when he's just gunning down people, yeah. and he's like, "I got you now, bitch." But it's all yeah. But but in yeah. terms of like of him as the the the, the, the person doing mm. stuff. Oh, and the the part with Obi Wan as well. But it's all pretty static. Like yeah. anything in the Tie Fighter is just like shots of yeah. his face. I think that's just a matter like, of kids yeah. are so used to, like, not to subtext. Like, if you wanted to sit them down to watch a film, like, if we compare two sort of big action films of the time, if you sat a kid down to watch Mad Max Fury Road, they would have less yeah. problems watching Star Wars, even though both are equally excellent and have excellent bits of poignancy and excellent bits of, you know, just narrative non-linear just like nondescript film filmmaking a kid would be much more entertained by something like mad max just because of how constructed it is how fast it is how it's visceral yeah like like i don't think a, a kid in watching star wars for the first time in 1977 would just be like i think i think there's a better temperament for the wonder of things yeah. Not to say that this has turned into a critique of kids now are bad. I think it's just different. Because, you know. Well, the the way that media has yeah. communicated these themes is We is just need everything different. fast and concise. And that's like... Mm. I heard someone talk about this once. It's like, uh, I mean, and, you know, this is, this is kind of a bit hacky because it's this American v yeah. European thing. It's like mm. European cinema, shots of the clouds, shots of the plane yep. in the clouds long shots of wide shot yeah. of the ground interior They're plane like s- exterior long shots of the plane flying slowly <laughs> Amer- american cinema <laughs> exterior plane crashes yeah. into building <laughs> yeah i um rip i only said that because you laughed i was thinking about making the joke when i mentioned the ages of my ta- of, the, of my two cousins at the time being 9 and 11 <laughs> And then I paused and I was like, let's not go there. Let's just get to my point. But I think the um but I think that, that tangent wasn't completely ridiculous because I think the mindset of, of of children of each era is really reflective of the of the media. The kids in I was thinking the whole time watching the kids of Stand By Me. Yeah. And I see I think there's just general sort of hallmarks of children of each era. Like every kid is always obsessed mm. with, you know, whatever the cool fat is. And they're all obsessed with, you know, how it how how it sort of relates to them and how they can sort of escape through that. And so, you know, when the kids in Stand By Me were talking about, oh, you know, um, would Superman who would win a fight, Superman or this cartoon character? And they were like, Yeah, you know, it's easy. Superman would win. He's a real human being. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, Corey Feldman. But you know, yeah. it's like they were talking about. And I was thinking, yeah. Kids would kids walking down a kids walking like along a railway track, just like going adventuring, would fill their time talking about, oh man, what's your favorite Fortnite emote? They would know that it was all in relation to this wider sort of thing. Like the whole thing of finding a dead body is a is a is a connection of It's such an outlandish thing though, I think, from the start. It's like, well, you why do you want to go see it? I mean, I I get it. It's like there was nothing else to do in the town but like for me it was like that seems like a bit of a weird thing i think as the impetus yeah. of the adventure like let's go my, see the dead body I, is that I weird? Mean, my I understanding mean, like, of it was one of course they do because they don't know they sort of can't recognize why that would be an unpleasant thing but i think it's a connection to the fact that they're always talking about you know cory feldman's always talking about oh my dad stormed the beaches at normandy you know, yeah. they're always talking about, they're always, there's so much violence just like around them that they're always talking about. Even in the 50s, you know, they're talking about, you know, the, the, the Keith the Sutherland gang is like literally carving shit into their arms as like a gang symbol. They're always talking about how they're going to, oh, you're dead, you know, you're, 
there's so much violence they're around all, them that they can't really perceive main, but, so that when they I think yeah. subconsciously they're always just like we need this connection. And and the and when the older version of Gordy, the um, the Richard Dreyfus character is always talking about that was our last sort of fleeting moment of innocence. It is sort of like they subconsciously really want that connection to the real world around them. The fact that they shouldn't want that so early, but that's that's what they that's what they need to do. That's like what's Vern's parents' situation? I think it's never mentioned just because it's not it's not important. Like Vern is meant to be because it and this is where I really want to start talking about the sort of the the real stuff that was happening um during the making of this film and how it's so well connected into the the film itself. Because I just want to mm. say quickly, like the recurring theme with almost all the kids is Gordy. Yeah, like his his dad, like basically doesn't yeah. care who he is. Um, wishes you know he has that recurring yeah. dream that, um, or he's that nightmare nightmare that his dad yeah. at his brother's funeral said yeah. it should have been you, and then the you know the one in the mental asylum, and then we just assume that the other guy's dad is just a fuck up. Yeah, it's always just it's always like this weird underpinning of loss, and not like a literal like every oh everybody's got a dead parent. It's always like. You know, Gordy's lost his brother and his father's lost his sort of care mm. for mm. the whole family. Um, uh, River Phoenix's character, whose name I'm blanking on, his character name I'm blanking on, you know, he he has that loss of connection to his parents because they automatically just, just, you know. And he, well, he feels that lost connection with society because everyone's like, oh, your dad's a fuck up, your family's a fuck up, so you'll automatically be a fuck up. Yeah, and he's right. really worried about that. Um, Corey Feldman's character, obviously, his dad was 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 established to be abusive, and he's got that literal and mentally to him now like that he's, PTSD. Yeah, but he's also got that loss, like like he thinks you know he's so defendant of the fact that you know oh my dad stormed the beaches at Normandy, he's this great war hero, and everyone else knows he's 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 insane, like he's a not a great human being. And he has to deal with that loss of, of that ideal. Like it is all of those themes really stick with, stick with me in terms of like today's kids. It's like, you know, they always have a point where they have to lose that sort of innocence. It's just the medium of how they do so. Maybe in the fifties, it's these kids finding a dead body. You know, maybe today it's other things that I, you know, probably couldn't articulate too heavy on. When you get your first, Emoji in Fortnite. <laughs> well, that's, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like that's their equivalent of just the escapism of it all, you know. Like all the kids in the fifties reading comics, all the kids playing Fortnite, a game where you literally have to kill everyone else to be the last person surviving on this planet, on this island. That's their that's their escapism. It's not because it's in no way connected to real ass problems, like you know. Um, the financial divide, climate change, you know, all, all problems that we sort of face now. Fortnite is so, so far removed from that, but also kind of not. You know what I mean? Mm. It's a, I don't know what the modern equivalent of finding a dead body is. Hell, maybe it is finding a dead body, but kids in 2018 go to, go to vlog a dead body. Wait, Logan Paul, please don't. Don't do it. That's... Don't do it. Maybe Logan Paul was on his own standby me kind of adventure. <laughs> during that. I've not seen the vlogs because why the fuck would I want to? But, you know, maybe um, he was talking about disconnected from his brother and his family and he's got to present this wide, this character for the world. I don't, I should stop trying to humanize Logan Paul. Hmm. But yeah, yeah I he, think those real he, core he, themes. He, he drifted from, he drifted from this realm long ago. Yeah. I think the whole point so, is these themes really hold up and they're, they're what make the movie really still engaging today. I want to talk <laughs> about how beautiful the film is shot. Yeah. I think for, yeah. like, you know, I mean, you can compare, you know, you, you can compare things to modern day as much as you want, but I still it's, feel like for it, like it's so, 
a lot yeah. of the framing is so well considered. Yeah. Like there are some absolutely beautiful shots in there. And it's, um, it's just one of those gorgeous examples of shot on, just shot on film. Just mm. nothing, you know, no fancy big lenses. Just capturing things on film works and it looks real pretty, just intrinsically. Even if it's mm. like a flat shot of just the, the Keith Sutherland gang in front of a house, it's still like that sort of natural color that you get with shooting on film and yeah. Well, it was interesting because I was talking to someone the other day and like film stock isn't a natural color though. <clears throat> Like most of it's not no. so much of what our idea of what visual in terms of visual literacy and color mm. and, and how that, and how those aesthetics work is affected by film stocks and different mm. choices of film, different film stocks for different things. And so yeah. like, it's so amazing actually to look back and go, Oh, that's like, that's what that vibe is. And it's not just the way that the old stuff has faded or whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, no, there are specific things. Like you look at Kodachrome, you know, mm. stills, you look at, you know, the way that that was used yeah. from a technical perspective influences how we have perceived yeah. it from an aesthetic perspective yeah. and narrative perspective. Yeah. And so, I, I, yeah, I was noticing things like that, just the, the yeah. tonality and the color in the film stock that was yeah. used um, was perfect. And it was also perfect in a sense of this film being made in the 80s mm. Yeah, trying to trying to capture that nostalgia of nineteen fifty five or yeah. whatever, whichever year it was in the fifties. Yeah, well, it's always that reflection of because every time I think about it, obviously with the nineteen fifty nine, that yeah. was Labor Day weekend in nineteen fifty nine. Yes, you're right. Um, well, that's what the thing I always think about now is I always have to compare it to the the way that the industry standard now when we shoot. You know, most things are shot digital. And most things are, you know, really heavily graded. And most of them, like, uh, you know, something like, um, to go back to the early example, Fury Road, I'm pretty sure it was shot on film. But even then, just the things that we do with color correction now. It's still then scanned. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's then never graded like, to yeah. pants, you know. And it is, you know, and it is, and it is gorgeous looking stuff. But there's always something I find really comforting about just seeing the color of the untouched sort of color of, of, of film, you know? Mm. Um, I, I, some notes that I put down is mm-hmm. um, I like the, the, the Cusack flashbacks oh, with geez. the piano music. We haven't You're even so ready. Like, yeah, we haven't even talked about like the cast. Of the, well, we have talked about the cast, but they're all so such terrific young actors. Yeah. Like yeah. specifically, you know, the four boys are always great. Um, there weren't many moments where I was pulled out of the narrative going, oh, that was a bit ham fit. Like, I mean, like you always get one or two, but I, I, I found did that overwhelmingly. A, I did that a few times, but I'll come back to that in a moment. Um, yeah, but seeing like Joan Cusack, just so sort of young and like naturally cool. I think this was before he did, um, and I blank on the name, the John Hughes film where he, uh, Say Anything. Before he did say anything, mm. he just yeah he does feel it feels less like even though the first time I saw him I'm like oh that's John Cusack John Cusack, um every the every later scene was just like oh yeah it's Gordy's older brother he's such like a nice presence in the film mm. you know mm. Mm. um Keith Sutherland is just fucking so good jeez yeah I I'm a little terrified of Keith Sutherland after this one. Not that I'm too familiar um, with his filmography. The, um, what what I what I enjoyed is is you know seeing this made in '85 mm-hmm. and then, um, and he's now he's now the voice of Solid Snake. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the thing cool. I most recognize Keith Sutherland as. I was like, damn Snake, you're really gonna threaten these kids? <laughs> yeah. And they're in the gang. And they're in the gang called the Cobras. Yeah, yes. Hideo, so you absolute madman. Genius. He's, he's been there from the beginning. It's genius. It's, it's inspired, really. Um, um, David Haight is a great snake voice too, but I digress. Yeah. I did want to talk. Yeah, you said earlier there were a few moments. I wouldn't say I was taken out of the film, but I did think to myself, all right, sc- insert name of screenwriter, because I don't think, I don't know the name of the screenwriter. I don't think Rob Reiner wrote it. 
But there were times where I thought, I I don't think kids are that eloquent at explaining their emotional status. Yeah. Like I think I I do think that kids do talk about it, but it was just sometimes I was like, man, this really feels like it was written for an Oscar monologue, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bait, bait. Like specifically, but we've got to have that. Like you've got yeah. to have that suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's this is just the way that this is communicated. I was. Like, yeah. I didn't even think about that in the moment of watching the film. I'm only thinking about that as you're saying. I thought it, but I was I was willing to accept it. I was like, all right, I I understand. And all the and all the monologues that came from Rick Dreyfus felt much more natural because it just sort of feels like he's that age where you do sort of get all poetic and reflective about life. But look at me. I'm a writer in my really nice house in my weird <laughs> at the yeah. end in his mansion in my mansion. Yeah. I thought he was going <laughs> back to his hometown and that scene at the start, but then he just winds up back at his mansion at home. Mm. Mm. What is this? What has he written? What is he? Is he a now? Obviously, this um, this film is based on a Stephen King novella called *The Body*. I found that out via IMDb trivia that they changed the name because they didn't want it to sound like a porno. <laughs> so they just picked *Stand by Me* because they felt it was the song that reflected it the most. Mm. I did find out that they wanted to um, they wanted to do a cover of the song by Michael Jackson instead of using the old. Benny King version, mm. but then they yeah. felt like the Benny King version would be better. Yeah, it is better. It is, but I do feel like we were robbed of a pretty good MJ cover. But alas, um, thematically, it just wouldn't fit because it's not nostalgic. Yeah. Well, these, no, you're right. That is true. That is very true. But yeah, I feel like the nostalgia of the piece is is very is is the right level of nostalgia. At no so, point did. I was laid on a little too thick like um like i love stranger things but i think it's laid on pretty thick at points yep definitely is but um yeah i feel like this one's just just works i feel like that's a lot of the case for these um for a lot of the 50s nostalgia pieces because i was thinking a lot of um especially seeing richard Dreyfus. i was thinking a lot of um american graffiti which which i love and actually and pour a bit out from Gloria Katz, one of the screenwriters on um, American Graffiti, passed away this week. Pour a bit out for Gloria Katz. But I was just thinking of like every every time that you do sort of a nostalgia piece, there's a lot of like modern ones that just want to sort of be, that not only want to be in the time period, but really want to flaunt the fact that they're in the time period. While like to as I was thinking about watching um, Stand By Me and thinking about American Graffiti, both are really good at just like existing in the 50s. Mm. Both are really good at just being in their time period with no, you know, bells and whistles of, oh, we're in the 50s, but hot rodding. And I thought that's really, that's that's terrific for getting into the zone of, of, of watching the film, you know? Of like connecting with it. So actor wise, stylistic wise, we've covered that. It just works. I think I think this is definitely look, I mean, I think it holds up. And I would I would rate this like I paid five dollars for this film. Before we get to the before we get to the rating, I did wanna I did yeah. uh, hint on this earlier and I've got no smooth segue to bring it back, so I'm just gonna launch straight into it. I was reading a lot of stories on IMDB about like what the kids were doing when they weren't shooting and you know they were fuckheads like all of them were constantly like pulling pranks and and just drinking they were a lot of them were like kids drinking for the first time mm. i i read the story Corey feldman lost his virginity while they were shooting shit he was like 15 and he like comes to set one day writes Rob Reiner a note saying it's finally happened. And I just thought (laughs) that's nuts because those sort of really turbulent times of change and loss of innocence is exactly what they've got to do in the film. 
and they yeah. mention yeah. a lot of them. Like it kind of it kind of fucked them up. Like specifically in the case of Corey Feldman talking about it, he really felt for his character like the closest because he was sort of really struggling at the time with that kind mm. of stuff. And so it's it's terrific in the film, but it's like you got to think, damn, it's really set you boys back a little bit. Um, my favorite story that I read was, <laughs> so, um, you know, the scene in the film where they go to the, where Gordy's telling the story about the, the pie eating contest. Yes. And I made a very poor decision of, I was watching the movie on my laptop at the time. So I took it out to the kitchen to have like some cake. <laughs> I just had to. Who wants who wants chowder? Oh Jesus! Um, it's a Family Guy reference for you, all you fucks. <laughs> don't ever reference Morgan. Don't ever reference Family Guy on this fucking show again. I'll I'll, I'll pull out. Um, but anyway, um, but um, they were shooting that that sequence at a Renaissance fair. In between, like a a big day of shooting, so all the kids were just around hanging out. And then one of the producers found out that they'd all been to this brownie stall and that they were weed brownies. And so the literal, all of the children in the film had eaten these weed brownies when they weren't shooting. And one of the producers recounts finding an 11-year-old Jerry O'Connell just laughing hysterically crawled up on a park bench and I just thought fuck that's simultaneously the best and the worst story I've ever heard like yeah that's nuts that that all that sort of stuff was happening while they were reflecting on this film I cherish these moments Dom I cherish these moments they um someone one of them did something good that was a reference by the way you got to stop with the references, man. Fuck. That was, it was a reference to this literal film <laughs> <laughs> um, that we're discussing. One of them did something to Keith Sutherland's car. <laughs> and Keith Sutherland would like bully them a little offset just so that they were terrified of him at all times, which is real method. But um, yeah. Did he send, send in them those, those condoms? No, there was not. So. We were not at <laughs> weird shit. Dead, dead rats. Dead rat. Yeah, damaged, that's damaged Sutherland. Damaged Sutherland. I mean, he is punished snake. So, damn. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, well, I think that's pretty. I think it holds up, and I would rate this five dollars out of the five dollars that I spent uh, to watch this film. If I do the math here, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I bought the Blu-ray for nine nine dollars ninety nine. Might have been a tenner, right? I'll just round up to 10. Now, obviously, no money changed hands for the second copy, but if I were to factor in manufacturing of the disc and the shipping on the hands of JB, that probably roughs out to another $5. And then add the $6.99 for the iTunes rental. We're at $21.99. Out of that... is. And is it worth Out it? Out of that $21.99, <laughs> it's probably worth like 18 18 or 19 18 or $17 of that. Because it does it does hold up and it is great. Of course, I've, I was thinking a lot of other things during it. But I think it is just like, and I'm not sure I would watch it too much ever again. Like I think I might I might watch it in like year increment in like five year increments, hmm. just to sort of you know. I still I do think it's a film that is is important. I think it's very key for children to watch. Like yeah. I think, like a twelve. This is like perfect for like a twelve year olds. Yeah, absolutely, and maybe a birthday party. Well, like, you know what? No, no, no. But here, no, here's my thing. He is my yeah. theory because it's like, hey, do, sleep over, mm-hmm. watch Stand By Me, and then, you know, those conversations that you'll have mm-hmm. at that age when you have the sleepovers up till 1 a.m. 
I don't know. Eating pizza and I drinking had a, Coke. I had a very bad experience this week. I had I the earlier mentioned when I watched Lost City of Z. I had some Jesus, pardon me. I had some friends out this week to watch some some movies. And we all had to bring a movie that the other two hadn't seen. So, like I said, I watched uh, one of the guys brought Lost City of Z. The other one bought this movie. Have you ever seen the Studio Ghibli film Grave of the Fireflies? No, I've never even heard of it. Do not fucking watch it with a bunch of your mates on a couch in the afternoon. It's tragic and it is it is sad almost the whole way through. Even when it's not like directly sad, there'll be like some really like cute kind stuff happening, but you'll just you'll have this pit in your stomach thinking, "Oh, something fucked is going to happen to them after this." It was. I often got that vibe actually during watching Stand By Me, where yeah. I was like, "Okay, what's like?" There was tension that was building, and I was like, <gasps> "What's going to happen now?" Like when they were in the around the campfire yeah. at night, and I was like, "Are the coyotes going to yeah. come and like fucking kill them?" And they're going to have to shoot one. It's yeah. like, no, no, no. It, it's not about having that release yeah. and having that crazy yeah. critic like, um, like yeah. uh, critical moment that happens. Yeah. It's just about having that slight yeah. tension there. Anyway, that was an observation. I don't know if yet. I mean, I don't think it'd be the worst thing to play at the sleepover, but I definitely, I tell you what, it's definitely the thing to play at like a, at like a house party at like 2 a.m. when everybody's oh, either yeah. gone or spaced out and then you can just have this weird-ass moment of reflection watching Stand By Me. Mm. That would be nuts. You heard it here first. Definitely the half-cut, only hardcore yeah. people who've stayed at the party film times. I'm bringing it, I'm bringing it to the next house party I go to. House party. See how that plays out. Um. So, mm. can I just show you something? Yes. How are you going to show me? Um. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's on. <laughs> oh! it's, it's on Stan. <laughs> Should have kept those Stan memberships, bro. Stan is a good streaming service. <laughs> I I highly recommend it. <sighs> now we're going to wrap this up, but next week is going to be tricky because I went down to my Coles the other day and I could not find the bargain bin DVDs. It's anyway. my turn to pick. It's your turn to pick. Yeah, you pick Stand by Me. But I thought, yeah, no, I know. But I thought I'm just mean like they've probably done something similar at your Coles because it's Christmas and so they reshuffle everything around to make more room for I'll Christmas exp- stuff. Well, there might be a Christmas DVD at Coles. You never know. I reckon that's what I was like. At least, at least we need budget Christmas DVDs, guys, because fucking what else are you supposed to do on I'm, Christmas? I'm I'm pretty sure. Now this may be, I don't know if this is right, but I know that my sibling one year bought a bargain bin Coles copy of the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. <laughs> and I'm like, can I? I think after a true, I think after a true art house film like Stand by Me. And also a really pretty awesome second episode of Tintin, The Adventures of Tintin. Um, I feel like we're due I think, for some I think shit. it's time. I think we're due, we're due for some shit. Am I? Am I in the in the rules of the podcast? Am I legally allowed to recycle a Coles bargain bin film? Was it, well, the thing is that I was thinking about the eventuality of what if Coles stop doing bargain DVDs? We stop the podcast. Like the idea is, we stop the podcast. Stop the podcast. We can do bargain bin. We'll do DVDs. another. No, we'll do another Coles. podcast. But if if Coles stop, down down critics are down has to stop. We'll have to. We'll have to. If we go to the Woolies bargain bin, it has to be. Um, It'll be have fresh. The fresh reviewers. People. No, um, the the, <laughs> the the fresh tomatoes people. That's that. That's why I. That's why I pick this podcast. There we go. Dumbcon. <laughs> That's why I picked this podcast. So, hey, just um, just I th- I think we got to lock that in. <laughs> Look, I I I think they'll shuffle things around. But if you go, if you can go down to your um Coles and and find, and I found myself because I couldn't find it. I was checking out our weekly grocery shop, and I asked the girl at the checkout. Yeah. Hey, they um, were. Excuse me, do you know where the five dollar DVDs are? <laughs> I'm sure she looked at you like. This pov dad looking for stocking stuffers. You can't afford. You can't afford. I was probably like wearing. I was wearing uh like 
You were wearing some shit, weren't you? I don't know what you were wearing. wearing like, I was wearing a, a shirt like a that probably cost Nike enough. It's just been running. Yeah, she's like, this cunt can fucking afford a streaming subscription. I feel so sorry for the, for the son <laughs> or daughter who wakes up with a copy of Flubber in their in their stocking <laughs> in 2018. Oh my god, it's over. That's right. It's it's wow. stay strapped yeah, for thanks, um, Dad. Dad ruined Christmas again. I mean, hey, do we if we if we, if this is going to be weekly, is it? I reckon it's going to be weekly or fortnightly as long as we can. But I really want to smash out a couple over Christmas yeah. and do some Christmas. Uh, maybe maybe episodes. next week is maybe next step is the Christmas episode. Maybe it's the app after. But either way, expect magic from your boys. And we can't just choose Home Alone. We we have to try and choose something. No, from I don't Cole. want to choose Home Alone because it's it's good. <laughs> Yeah, I want some good. shit. You've got to choose some shitty yeah, Christmas. Get... Look, if if you have to find that Tim Allen Santa Claus, as long as it was like we've explored, from the like we've explored, I'll, I'll pass. We've I'll explored pass. the thesis of sometimes you find some trash in the bargain bin, sometimes you find some gold. We very much need to. We've explored both ends. Let's get back into the shits. Let's let's go the real fun stuff. All right, this has been down. Down critics are down. Uh, my name's Morgan Roberts. You can find me on Twitter at Morgan C. Roberts. Uh, you can, I'm Dominic Fitzgerald. I'm pretty sure you can find me on Twitter at Dom Fitz Film Boy. I have to double check that because I, I changed my Instagram name a lot. And so I don't remember if I no, was. Your Twitter's the same because I just did it. I just updated our feed. We will we'll be available on iTunes uh, and, and wherever any good podcast. Are we on iTunes? Are, are we available? on iTunes right now? By the time this is out, we'll be on I'm, iTunes. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Because I need that's my that's my Apple podcasting is my go to source of podcasting, and if I I really want to hear my own voice, no, I will listen <laughs> I back to this episode. I will listen back <laughs> to this episode out of pure panic to make sure I don't sound like a fuckhead. All right, so stay tuned next week for some uh, shitsville content. Yeah, dude. Have a good week. Merry Christmas. Merry shitsmas. I mean, if it's if it's got six nine in the price, you've got to do it. It's the magic number. You ask me. Ask. ask I've you just. About the I film. know. I've just. I've just good? got the shame off over me. <laughs> ask me why I have two copies. <laughs> See, this I don't know, Don. Why do you have two copies on Blu-ray of Stand by Me? In 2016, I oh, came right. into a large. No, not a lot, but I came into a bit of a excess of money. <laughs> Twenty bucks. <laughs> All right, two for ten dollars. I'm gonna 25. buy the the same DVDs for I'm not, high roll. I'm not gonna get specific, but I came into a a bit of a sum of money, and so naturally, you go to JB Hi-Fi, the website, because there's no store nearby me, and you, you look. And I was like, oh, man, all right, stand by me, cheap. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I saw the Groundhog Day, cheap. Yeah. Um, Her by Spike Jones, cheap. And what was the fourth? These are all movies I have two copies of for, for, for a reason I'm about to explain. <laughs> and whatever, fourth film. It's probably fucking Strictly yep. Ballroom or some bullshit. Um, I ordered them online. <laughs> They arrive in the mail. <laughs> Almost all of them have their cases shattered. Absolutely. Like corners just in in shreds, spiked up. One of the discs had like a huge scratch dead down the center. <laughs> I should stop going into detail actually because we're ruining the chance of getting a good plug from JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> Wait, no, we should be... You've done wait, it no, again. Should, You've ruined the chance of our plug. No, but we, should, no, we shouldn't take that. We should only take sponsorship from Coles when it happens. Yeah, it will hey, happen. Hey, guys, uh, every DVD I've bought from Coles so far, perfect condition. Me too. Um, and so I, too. I ring up the JB hotline, 1-800-WAREHOUSE-SALES, whatever. It's a bad joke. And I, I, I get on the phone. I'm like, dude... These are fucked. Can you send me some replacements? And they're like, sure thing. Do you guys want me to mail you back the, the other ones? And they're like, you know what? You keep them. 
<laughs> Hence, two copies of Stand By Me. But the what the first copy wasn't fucked, or was it? The case was pretty fucked. Okay, but it's still legit. I mean, the disc is Richard fine. Yeah. Did. If anyone wants a free copy of um Stand By Me on Blu-ray. Yeah, I think we should be giving out one free copy. I, of can, I got some. I got um, some contra to give away. Mm, mm, so look, yeah, mm. if you um, um, if you want a free copy of Stand by Me on Blu-ray, go into the mm. comments of this post wherever it's posted, and um, <laughs> on Facebook, tell me. It'll be like my mum commenting on my own personal yeah. Facebook because we don't have a page yeah. or a Twitter feed or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. It'll be um it'll be Shane Gibson telling us about um telling us about the time he dropped a V donut on a on a copy <laughs> of um Spider-Man 2. Um yeah, tell me what the worst So what a saga. Yeah, no, the competition. If you want to win a TV, a Blu-ray copy of Stand by Me <laughs> in slightly poor um condition, tell me what the what the worst thing that's ever happened to a disc in your presence is. I don't know. How do you yeah. What's the worst thing you've ever done to a disc or someone else has done to a disc? 131060. <laughs> cool. Oh, Jesus. Well, I'm so I upset mean, now just having to relive that. I mean, yeah. I feel like walking yeah. in, in the in the wilderness with a with three of my closest mates. But other than other than that, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? What content? <laughs> He's referencing something that I've that's flown over my head. Mrs. Lincoln. Other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was Again, the play? It's what? I don't. If you know what he's talking you know how, about, you know how Abraham. It's it's a joke. It's a it's a joke about. Oh, I had such a shit time at the play. My husband was oh. shot. Oh. Oh, but other than oh, that, oh, how was the play? Oh, <laughs> okay. That's actually really good. You should get on mic a bit better. Just be do this. Not working out. Oh, jeez. No, not, like not that close. Not that close. <laughs> <laughs>